Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3 and it's now time for Market View where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started. Well, Singapore shares opened weaker today following heavy losses of the top traded counter. In early trade, the Straits Times Index was down 0.2% to 3,078 points after some 45 million securities changed hands in the broader market. The numbers on the SJX are still firming up, but here's what I have on my screen. The STI currently down 0.42% and we're looking at 3,071 points. In terms of value turnover, that's $1.71 billion. Now, gainers trailed losers 280 versus 300. Top five movers by value we have here DBS, OCBC, Singtel, Capital Core and UOB. And heavily traded securities included Seadrim, Genting Singapore, and now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Manulife US REIT units fell as much as 27.5% early on after the counter resumed trading today. Its manager had earlier revealed plans to raise funds through a mix of asset dispositions and a sponsored lender loan to remedy its financial covenant breach. Now, on last check, we do see Manulife US REIT down some 40.6%. Now, elsewhere from Japan's Nikkei rallying to lock its best month in two years, to Microsoft taking a non-voting observer position on OpenAI's board. We've got more international headlines for you. And joining me on the line is David Chow, Director of Azure Capital. David, welcome. Hi, Tian Good day. Hey, good day. And let's start with the usuals, David. How did the STI fare so far today? Any surprises when it comes to the biggest movers, though? Okay, I guess the Asian markets uh, were mostly mixed, but, you know, with a slight negative tilt towards the downsides. Uh, and uh, to a certain extent, uh, the market should be taking the cues from the China-Hong Kong markets, which in turn, you know, took their cues from China's economic data, which shows uh, China factory activity shrinking for a second straight month in November, mm. while non-manufacturing activity hit yet uh, another new low for the year. And, uh, you know, the effects specific, you know, we did see a dovish shift from Master yesterday and the Beige book that actually highlighted a slowdown and a disinflation in the US. And I think, as such, uh, if I look at the Fed Fund futures, uh, the pricing, it actually uh, pricing 116 basis points cut uh, next year, uh, which would be an increase from, you know, 100 points, uh, 100 basis points just yesterday and, you know, 87 basis points at the start of the week. And I believe this news alone, um, you know, could be a good news from the interest rate uh, sensitive uh, stock market, but mm-hmm. it also signals that, you know, economic activities have somewhat, you know, come off from his peak. So uh, this news alone will be neutral at best and uh, even though Hong Kong markets recover from losses yeah. in the afternoon, uh, you know, it couldn't help the STI and it finished the day you know, just off its lowest. Yeah, and uh, zooming in on some of the companies to watch, David, let's take a look at Manulife US REIT hot stock of the day because we've seen units fall as much as 27.5% after the counter resumed trading and on last check down somewhat over 40%. So uh, how would you read into that recapitalization plan? Is that trading momentum in line with what you're expecting given the developments? Okay, um, when I look at the value, uh, the uh, volume traded, you know, for manual life since the start of the month, mm-hmm. uh, if you notice, you know, after your know, 3rd November, where it releases uh, the quarter updates, you know, stock prices uh, actually climbed steadily from a low of, you know, point. 
zero forty nine cents to about ten cents plus, which is uh, I think it's a decent hundred and fourteen percent gain or so. Mm. And uh, I noted that you know the volume traded then you know was also relatively high and you know near the ten cent mark. Uh, but it kind of slowed down you know as the uh, stock approaches you know that peak. So I would say um, at that point, not many investors uh, you know wanting to lock in you know that hundred and fourteen percent gain. So perhaps you know greed <clears throat> and a bit of uh, anticipation of the recapitalization plan, you know, cause these uh, investors to actually hold on to these stocks. And, uh, you know, of course, after the plan was revealed, it, you know, perhaps you know, fell short of expectations and led investors to believe that the path going forward, you know, with the plan, you know, won't be smooth sailing. And if I look at this, uh, you know, why did I say that uh, the yield plan has uh, essentially fallen short of expectations? Is that, you know, for a start, the gearing levels will be still high, in my opinion, and, you know, preferably the read, I think, must cut its gearing ratio to 45% or less, you know, rather than, you know, Singapore's typical 50% as well by central banks. So for once, you know, cutting the gearing levels won't be easy. And secondly, it also hinges on the execution, you know, after the sponsors have given their assistance and the right could be topsy-turvy as well. So I guess, uh, let's see what happens during the EGM on, I think, 14th of December, to which, you know, the uh, shareholders must, you know, uh, approve or you know to to voice out whether they uh, they approve for the proposed capitalization. So with uh, lenders having until that day to provide their consent, and should investors not accept the proposal, then you know we may you know see another round of uh, uh, wave down you know for the uh, share price of Manual Life. Mm, so you are seeing a little bit of profit taking over here for the short term as investors sort of take a wait and see approach. More like a loss cutting because you know at ah. the peak you know where the share price reaches that ten cent plus marks, the volume was actually quite low. Mm. So not many uh, investors, I would say, actually took profit. So mm. they were just adopting a wait and see. And uh, unfortunately, when the uh, capitalization plan came, I think it fell short of the expectations. So they actually embarked on a loss cutting instead. Ah, okay. And let's stay in Singapore, uh, David. We've seen the country's advanced release of the annual labor force uh, in Singapore report. Uh, It showed real median income down 2.3% in 2023. How would you read into the numbers, though? I guess uh, while this uh, real median income fell to 0.3% uh, you know, in 2023, the good thing is that uh, you know, the Singapore's nominal income, you know, inflation aside for full-time employed residents actually, actually grew you know, by 2.5% from, uh, you know, from just $5,070 in 2022 you know, to $5,197 in 2023. Mm. So uh, I guess uh, inflation aside, you can say that uh, you know, Singapore, we, have, we are still experiencing Seeing uh, somewhat of a rich growth, and uh, that being said, uh, looking at the other uh, data like the real income growth, it actually remained positive over the decade between uh, 2013 and, of course, 2023. And this real median income during this period actually rose by two percent. So I believe, you know, a data trend over a longer period, you know, as what I just mentioned, should offer still a somewhat positive tone to how real income growth has performed. As for the um, inflation part of the equation, well, um, as we all know, prices will still remain uh, elevated through mm. uh, 2023. Yeah. What's more important is going forward, how inflation be be like in uh, 2024. <clears throat> well, I think for this, uh, we think that after looking at MAS assessment, uh, we we concur that you know core inflation will still remain above comfort levels, at least in the early part of 2024. So depending on how inflation evolves after that, we could still you know see a fall in median income next year. 
Hmm. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with David Chow, director at Azure Capital. And across the region, David, Japan's Nikkei share average rose today to book its best month in two years. That's really as bad that U.S. interest rates have peaked at bought equities globally. Counters also got a boost from the robust earnings season we saw earlier this month. Question, though, is how far can this positive mood sustain? Um, I think uh, the bigger picture is that I think while inflation and you know monetary policy tightening you know have been a major source of global equity market volatility over the past year, but in Japan specifically, uh, you know elevated and persistent inf- inflation may just be you know what the uh, economic doctor ordered you know in order to jolt companies and consumers out of you know their deeply entrenched uh, deflationary mindset. And you know you know this has certainly happened. And you know as what as we could see from the rise of the Nikkei index. So if you look at uh, Japan's latest inflation numbers in October, I think the inflation was uh, about 3.3% and uh, having peaked at 4.3% earlier this year. Mm. So uh, that's relatively mild compared with the US and Europe, but in Japan itself, you know, by its historical standard, this is quite high. And uh, no companies that have long been reluctant to raise price prices of their goods and services for fear of being you know, undercut by competitors, they are no longer absorbing rising costs. Mm. Instead, they are passing on higher costs to consumers. So this is what is you know, improving their profitabilities. And if you look at uh, some of the other changes, like your changes in corporate governance, they have also contributed to a sustained gradual improvement in profitability as well. In fact, if you look at the ROEs of the Japan Japanese company, it has risen to a 10% in recent times, you know, roughly on par mm-hmm. with uh, non-US developed companies. Yeah. So, um, but on the flip side, I would say that for Japanese consumers, why you know who have a hand in, who have a part to play, you know, in continuing the stock market rally, I would say the the wage increases have yet, their wage increases increases have yet to catch up with the rising cost of living. So perhaps some wage increases injection will boost sentiment further. So anyway, the Japanese equity market you know, still remains attractive uh, from our point of view. Um, mm. I think the forward PE of the Nikkei two five five now currently stands at the ten percent discount to its long-term average since uh, 2025. 2005. Mm. And uh, you know, for next year, we are looking at a P of 15 times um, for the Japanese uh, stock market. And uh, with that being said, it also trades at quite un- quite uh, cheap you know, valuation you know, compared to its developed market peers. So you know, this, <clears throat> this value of the Japanese market, I think, could still be sustained somewhat in the short to medium term. Hmm, right. And let's take a look at OpenAI in the US. David, the firm's newly reinstated CEO Sam Altman said uh, Microsoft will take a non-voting observer position on its board. And a slew of changes announced as well, including the fact that the chief scientist is no longer part of the board. So how would you read into this? I think regardless of what you know, you may have read or heard in the media or yeah. on the internet. I think Microsoft, you know, did not come out really uh, smelling of roses and you know, not seen as a winner in this case. So yeah. even with this latest move to give Microsoft a known voting observer seat, uh, I don't think Microsoft would be happy to just be an observer when you consider how important the development of this mm. open AI means to them. But I think it's what it is. Um, I guess this uh, drama will likely strengthen the hands of those uh, pushing open source foundation models for AI like Meta, you know, parents of Facebook and Instagram. So others say open AI's competitors like, you know, Google, Germany will likely benefit as, you know, users of AI now realize that they should not put all their eggs in one basket. Mm. So if this move, uh, so if this action materializes, I guess this will cut open AI's market share and hurt its uh, main backer, which of course is uh, Microsoft. 
And uh, I think, I guess, for the departure of this uh, chief scientist from the board, uh, it shouldn't affect the development of the technology, but I think we will see in future updates on how uh, these chief scientists will perform you know, outside of the board. That was David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.